Today's scripture reading is from Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 37. Hear the word of the Lord. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy people among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owed, owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord, to be together with God's people and to worship him uh, with uh, enthusiasm, passion, and conviction. Certainly felt that this morning from many of you. Uh, this series on prayer is a, um, is a series that I believe um, is where God is leading us as a church. I believe that uh, the church, when it's at its best, is a church that is a praying church, a church that believes that when we pray, God answers prayer, and a church that makes prayer central to their life is not only a healthier church, but a church that is able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, This morning, I want to share very simple thoughts with you based on the scripture reading that we had just heard. The context is one of threat. The disciples... Uh, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, starts proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And we read early on in Acts that as they do so, proclamation is not only to tell people that Christ was risen, but proclamation leads to these wonderful, miraculous signs in the community where people were healed. One such man, a crippled man, was healed by the apostles and and his testimony spread throughout the entire city. 
And the reason it spread is because everybody knew this man, and the scripture says he was already over 40 years old. Now, I'm like that man in age, over 40, and I started to think, what on earth does this 40 thing have to do (laughs) with proclaiming the gospel good news? Perhaps I'm in a good category. Perhaps when God works in people over 40, we know it's the gospel breaking in because we've had so many years to build up who we are that perhaps in our senior years, when I'm calling myself senior, that's in relation to some of you who are very junior, but perhaps in later on in life, God does something. But here's, here, I stray from the point. They proclaim, and God's Spirit empowers, and there's this dynamic transformation that happens. There's power in what they do. They get in trouble. The Sanhedrin and some of the rulers of the time, they say, you know, you guys are creating political unrest. You are creating an attitude in our city that we don't want. And so they imprison them, uh, and as they are imprisoned, listen to this. The word that they, they preached and the proclamation that became signs of the kingdom, miraculous healing, so impacted people that 5,000 men believed on account of their ministry. Now, you know, imprisoned, uh, told to be quiet, and yet this message of Jesus Christ transforms people's lives. They are released the next day and as they are released, uh, it says that this Sanhedrin, this council of elders and leaders, uh, religious people to some extent, says we don't quite know what to do with what's happening here because there is, of course, something significant happening in this community. And so they resort to the only thing they could do. They give them a stern warning to not proclaim the gospel. Don't speak this again. Don't share this again. And here's Peter and John's response. We have determined that it's probably in our best interest to not listen to you, but to listen to God. Sanhedrin somewhat stumped says to them again, well, we're threatening you again. Don't do it. It's out of that kind of context that they return to those who had now formed this community of faith, the church. They come to them and they share exactly what had happened. They share with them that they were told, you are not to speak anymore about this Jesus Christ that was risen from the dead. And as they do so, they say to this group, they told us and threatened us not to proclaim, but we desired to do so. And without hesitation, at least the way Acts is written for us, the community came together in prayer. And they began to pray, a prayer that according to scripture, if you read it, seems to be a prayer that is unanimous. They all come together and they all pray about what is needed. So I thought about that and I said to myself uh, as a, a pastor and somewhat of a biblical scholar, that when I read Luke, which is the first part to Acts, We see that in the life of Jesus, uh, he was a man of prayer. He prayed often. The scripture teaches us that he, he, he found places to pray. He, he sometimes left his disciples right in the middle of significant times of ministry. He withdrew. 
Uh, He was unlike perhaps uh, I am because when things seem to go well, I tend to think I don't have to pray as much. But even in times of successful ministry, Jesus had this this underlying practice in his life that he always seemed to withdraw to lonely places. And at times, he invited others to go with him. Jesus was a man of prayer. In fact, if you study Luke and Acts together, I've said this before, the opening chapters have significant similar themes. Not only is prayer significant, but the Holy Spirit is significant. In Acts, you'll find that prayer becomes significant as well. And it's easy to miss that prayer is significant because what prayer does is results in this incredible empowerment that kind of makes the prayer seem insignificant in light of this great dynamic change that happens in the community. Community. They speak in the dialect of all the people in the region. They are filled with the Holy Spirit power. The, 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 the house they in shakes. This is a dramatic scene. And when we read Acts, perhaps that is where our attention goes. But what creates such a dynamic community is those who respond even in times of threat to pray. And not just to pray anything, but to pray together for God's word to be proclaimed. You see, I've been in the church a long time, most of my life, all of my life. I have been to many prayer meetings as many of you have been. I've heard many messages on prayer, many. And if you are to go, we don't have them anymore, at least not as plentiful as they used to be, but Christian bookstores were fun places to visit. That's where you'd get your new CDs. Some of you are, are old enough, you got your albums there, you know, or tapes. I, I, I remember when I bought tapes. Uh, we don't have them that much, but even if you go online today, if you went into a bookstore, you'll see there's so much written on prayer. You can, you can get every perspective, the Celtic way of prayer, the contemplative way of prayer, St. Ignatius path, you can, you can read all kinds of things. But you know, I, I, I looked at the scripture and I saw the simple principles that I see here in Acts that sometimes I've missed. And here's the first one. God's people pray together. They pray together. In fact, the Lord's prayer begins with our Father, not my Father. And you may say to me as I say that, well, well, what is the significance of praying together? I, I think that prayer together that is centered on what God wants to do unifies a church more than anything else could ever unify a church. When we get together and we pray about our specific needs and the things that we're challenged about and, and you know, this is happening in my life and that is happening in our life, we have enough scriptural evidence to suggest that that's what God says we can do. Come and ask. Pray for those who are sick. If any amongst you is sick, call the elders together. If they lay their hands on them and pray for them, and the one that is unwell will be made well. There's significant references to how the church can pray for the needs of one another. But here's what I want to drive home today. When the church prays, thy kingdom come, may thy will be done, may your name be proclaimed, and they do so in unison, that kind of prayer gets answered not only for the sake of the individual, not only for the sake of the church, but for the sake of the world. Churches that pray together that they may become proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ, receive the gift 
that makes such proclamation possible. So they pray. Uh, Not only together, but they pray the same prayer. Now I did a little research, and I read that perhaps what they did when they started to pray, and if you look at the text closely, it says, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Perhaps I'll start earlier. Here it says, When they heard it, they raised their voice together and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit, and then they go on. So good commentaries will teach you that perhaps this was a liturgy that was already in play at this time. In other words, it was a formulaic way of praying. Jesus gave us one, the Lord's Prayer. And so there's a sense in which they prayed and started with the very same words uh, because they knew this kind of prayer. Uh, Perhaps just a side point, I am kind of a very experiential Christian, right? You know that. Uh, If if, if I preach, uh, I have notes, but they're only as a guide. You all know that. I, I, I kind of just, sometimes I blame the Spirit, sometimes it's just me, but we trust somehow God works through who I am as a person, and, and, I, and I speak, and I pray, and I think that's a wonderful gift. In fact, my cultural experience growing up was, was that way inclined, but I've come to appreciate prayers that have been written and given to us as the church, both historically Uh, through many who've written wonderful prayers. This morning, uh, uh, Bob read for us a powerful prayer, if you listen to the words of that. And and there's a gift in going to something that has been written with this idea that that, that we we want to approach this God together. And so it gives us the ability to enter in, to pray the same things. The truth be told is that if I called you to a prayer meeting, all of us would have our away with what we need to pray for. But I think this is what God is teaching me in these days. There's a sense in which he wants the church to be united, not only in this way that we like one another, because I like you, to be honest, and hopefully you like me. Not only that we would get along with one another, which sometimes can be difficult, but we have a means to deal with it but that we would be united in our request of God to make us a church that makes him known in our world. And dare I say this, that our world needs such proclamation. Let me ask you a very sincere question. Is this the kind of prayer that we pray often? What does our prayer life look like? I can tell you that if you looked at my at my journal, which contains my prayer reflections and my prayers, that a lot of times my journal reflections are very much about my own journey, my own experience. There are lists of things I ask of the Lord, things that I pray for. But I believe that I'm in a season of personal growth, and perhaps for us as a church, this is a season of personal growth where we not only learn the significance of praying together, but we realize that when we come as the church to pray for God's name, his presence, for his will to be done, and for his name to be made known in our world, that that is the kind of prayer that transforms not only us, but our world. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. 
They prayed the same prayer because they had liturgy that guided them, but beyond that, they prayed not every same word throughout the prayer. At some point, what the apostles told them became significant, and they all prayed for this very one request, that we may have the courage to proclaim the word of God. Is that a prayer that perhaps God is putting before us as a church? That we may have the courage to make his name known. That we would proclaim who Jesus is. The early church, the first group of Christians gathering together faced a real dangerous threat. For them, persecution, like many places in, our, in this world, means that to speak of this God and to proclaim his name could be met with harsh punishment and even death. For us in the West, where we still have the freedom to share who we are and to worship this God whom we love, we have the opportunity perhaps in ways that we can only appreciate when we learn about how hard it is for others to make this God known. I believe that the prayer that God is laying before us as a church is that we would come together. We would pray together. That God would instill within us the courage to make him known. I think that in the text we see God answering that prayer. And by the way, you can preach on a lot of stuff in this, right? You can preach upon the method in which they pray. They start with the sovereignty of the Lord. They start with who God is before they talk about, you know, what they need. And, and that's even in the Lord's prayer. It's, it's a wonderful way of praying. And tonight we're going to practice that. But but here's what happens. The Lord answers their prayer. And here's how the Lord answers. He pours out his Holy Spirit in them. And here's the reason why God gives us his Holy Spirit. Because I don't think any one of us can, first of all, proclaim him simply by what we know and our abilities. Neither do I think the proclamation of God is intended to just come from one voice. I believe that together, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the witness of the church becomes the hope of the world. And so God fills them. He gives them His Spirit. A Spirit that not only gives them courage, but unites them in purpose and in mission. You know, friends, I was sharing my thoughts with uh, my brother Trent over coffee. And uh, I was telling him about what my thoughts were on this message. And I, I love sharing what I think I'm going to preach on because I like hearing how God speaks through others. And sometimes that shapes my thoughts. And he reminded me, and I don't know if he even no noticed this, but he reminded me that it's so easy to pray about something that we don't yet possess and miss that God has in fact already given us this very gift. Uh, you know, when, when I was teaching on vision and values a few weeks ago to a group of people in Ontario, God impressed upon my heart in the most simple way that oftentimes the church needs to just believe in faith that God is already present with them. That we don't have to go out 
and fish him in. We don't have to go out and try to find angles to bring him in. All we need is to pray and to say, God, give us the boldness that comes through that which you have already given us through your Holy Spirit. May your Holy Spirit start to lead and guide us and grant us that which we need to make you known. And by the way, you know, when, when they pray let, you know, to, make, to make Jesus known, they, they, they are not praying simply to say that Jesus is risen. They are praying for the courage to become the very evidence of the kind of community that Jesus desired. Let me put it to you a different way. The word became flesh. Words according to the gospel always becomes incarnate. God's name proclaimed becomes a proclaimed word in the life of those who confess him as Jesus. So when we hear this word, there are those of us who are called to proclaim from pulpits like this. There perhaps may even be some of us who are called to go around to churches and to preach that word. But all of us are called to have that word become such an integral part of our life that we live in a way that represents the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The prayer is answered not only through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, but the praise so answered that the community lives in such a God-honoring way that people looked at them with favor and thousands came to respect and follow that Lord Jesus Christ. The word becomes incarnate in the church of God through the power of his Holy Spirit. I said when I preached last week that um, God has this wonderful way of working through ordinary people. That when we look at our world and we see the disconnect between what the Bible says this kingdom ought to be that instead of becoming fatalistic and hopeless, we become a people of prayer who recognize that the kingdom of God has come and is present with us. You know, um, I don't know if this resonates with you, and and I I think today I'm okay to just not know. (laughs) Uh, Because I really do believe this is what God is saying. And I do believe very significantly that God is teaching me to have eyes to see that he is at work. Um, There is a a cultural shift that happens, not by political office or, or any other thing, but there's a cultural shift that happens when the kingdom breaks in. It's a cultural shift in communities of faith where Sometimes from people you don't expect, <laughs> you start to see the Holy Spirit lead and direct. When, when we become a praying church, God starts to, God starts to get us on his agenda, and, and somehow this happens in communities. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little prophetic, but, but that's okay. <laughs> Not too much, but okay, right? Right in the middle there. Right? Uh, uh, the things that were mo- once very significant to us, that once held us even down, that become big things, that often are not big things when we look back at them. They seem to kind of dissipate in light of this greater vision that God gives the church. 
and, and, and the church becomes empowered and excited, <laughs> not because our needs primarily are met and we feel good about ourselves. We become empowered and animated by God's Holy Spirit because we become a part of this kingdom that is taking our world. We begin to see answers to prayer. We begin to have confidence. We begin to long for and desire to pray and to pray more often. And we begin to see God change not only us, but our world. I am convinced that God loves to begin in unlikely places with unlikely people. I love that we are a part of such a community, a place where this Holy Spirit is already at work. And when we begin to pray that God's will would be made known, the gospel would be proclaimed, He takes words and he changes lives. You know, I often, I have learned in my own experience that just simply to tell somebody something, even if it's true, doesn't mean that that truth has any power to transform. Truth in and of itself, just because it's true, doesn't mean someone's going to go, yes. Let me change. Have you ever realized that in life, truth that has an impact is truth that is conveyed through relationship. It's truth that is proclaimed because there is connection. There is something substantial there that makes truth, gives truth the opening in people's lives. I'm ending now, but I'm ending in a way perhaps that I think is really important for us to know. I think there's many people who proclaim, and I'm in danger of being a proclaimer in word only. But why I need the Holy Spirit is so that he could take very ordinary words that I preach every Sunday. None of you are surprised when you come to hear me say ordinary things. But God, by his Spirit, transforms ordinary thoughts and gives it his power. God, by his Holy Spirit, takes ordinary people and fills them with his power. And our words become true of our life. And there's nothing more frustrating and and counter the kingdom than when words is all we think it means to speak the truth. This kind of kingdom prayer so transforms this community that they care more about others than just themselves. They have eyes to see need. They have the ability to see how God has blessed them and how they can be a blessing. Let me say to you as the church of God, while there is a invitation for us to be a praying community, there is also the word of God that speaks to us to affirm that if you are living in this way, it is because the Holy Spirit is empowering you to do so. Continue to live this way. But my prayer as a pastor is 
that we would pray together to make this God known, that we would be open to the power that he gives us to do so, and that our proclamation would not only be words, but true of who we are. So that here, amongst us, the Holy Spirit would make us the gospel truth. As I invite uh, Trent and Mo to come, and I think we have some ideas to what we want to do in, as a time of response, I invite you to think about the significance of prayer but in a particular way today, the kind of prayer that seeks first the kingdom and all his righteousness. For in doing so, God promises that all we need, he will supply. This is the kind of prayer that aligns us with God's will. Have you ever noticed how that it's easy to want to have God on board with my will. You know, Lord, I, I need this. Come on. You know, uh, I can see why this would be good to give to Stu Williams. And yet I think the church learns to pray a prayer that assures us God will provide what we need, but only when I think we learn to pray and long for what he wants from us.